Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we celebrate the triumphs of people who have overcome their own life's challenges and made our world better. People who have taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host. Thank you for joining me. So I'm excited to hear your story. Ray and Jean, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. Start out by telling me a few things about yourself. Well, do you want to go first? You can go. Okay. <laughs> Almost 50 now. Ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you said um, it. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, Jean and I have have been together almost 24 years now, and uh, we came together um, because we had very similar things, similar uh, issues that we came from in, in our past. Uh, we've been working with couples for over 20 years now, and our passion is in working with couples and relationships and helping people have happy and healthy relationships. And that kind of stems from us coming from really toxic and tragic relationships ourselves. When we met, I was 30. My son was 10 and Ray was 24. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's awesome. And yeah, in the beginning, we, you know, we, we worked together and we became friends and I think we both tried to not deal with our feelings towards each other because I don't think we trusted ourselves because of our past. Yeah. And then once we got together, we never were apart again. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. That's super so we've cute. been working together uh, the entire, our entire relationship. When one of us changes jobs, for some reason, the other one follows. And, and then we started a company together and we've been working together ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I'm coming up on 30 years of marriage myself. So nice. it's nice to talk to people who are in there for a little bit longer haul. So I'm excited to hear more about why you do what you do or what was the lemons that you turned to lemonade. Tell me all about it. You know, I think that my lemonade story started with the beginning of my toxic relationship, started in high school, went through college. Um, one of the, the culminations of that, that story was that I almost died my sophomore year in college. And that was with an asthma attack. Um, and it was really kind of a, you know, a culmination of my toxicity within myself. And the relationship really just reflected all of that as well. You know, I was not taking care of myself. I was, um, you know, drinking a lot. I was smoking cigarettes, which I have asthma, so I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> when I was being carted off to the hospital and I was not able to breathe and, you know, seeing my life flash you know, before my eyes, you know, one of the things that I saw was all of my relationships in my life. And, you know, it, it became clear to me later on in life, you know, processing that, that experience that, you know, my relationships were really the most important thing for me. You know, I continued on in, in that toxic relationship and probably the next lowest point in that relationship was, you know, when we accidentally got pregnant and, and it was really reflecting in, in my life at that point, you know, where was I going? You know, why was I in that position in that place in life? having to reflect on the fact that, you know, now 
she was she was taking you know a, a life that we had created together you know that relationship in total in total lasted eight years and it was really uh, one that kept me really stuck in my life even though I was moving towards you know getting a degree in psychology and becoming a counselor it was only until I packed up all my things and I left, you know, tail tucked between my legs and met Jean that I started to really kind of come out of the fog and understand, you know, how, how toxic that had had been in my life and how ingrained and enmeshed I was and how I really couldn't see, you know, the path in front of me and what I really needed to do and how I needed to live my life. You know, and for me, um, I grew up in a home with eight siblings, a lot of chaos, a lot of violence. And my first boyfriend in high school, we got engaged in high school, very insecure. He cheated on me all the time. And I just thought like feeling this pain in my gut was just part of being in relationships. Ultimately, he broke up with me and I ran away and joined the army. I started dating this other guy and he told me he was like 15 years older than me. And throughout the relationship, there was this one day we had a party and he didn't show up like his friends were there and people we knew were there and he didn't show up. And this was only about a month in. And I, I thought to myself, I could break up with him. Or I could figure out why do I continue to attract people like this into my life? And throughout that relationship, which was five years, he lied. He was married. He lied about his age. Like he was actually like five years younger. It was really bizarre. And I would always wonder where he was. And, you know, it was just very, really, really stressful, like listening for the phone to ring or something like that. And, and I learned to go on. I was already a mom, you know, I was a single mom and I had to work and I learned how to separate like that pain from like moving forward. And I put myself through college. Ultimately, he, we never really broke up. He would just leave me alone for periods of time. It's like he knew, you know, and that's one thing that, you know, in working with couples, we see that when a girl is in that stage of life, it's just like, pick me. And we're really vulnerable to people treating us badly, especially if we don't have a really solid male role model. And so I got to a point where I decided that I didn't have that pit in my stomach feeling when I wasn't in a relationship. So I had decided I would just be alone the rest of my life. And my dad was really bothered by that. And I would say to him, well, it would take a hell of a guy to make me change my mind. And there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enter Ray. I love it. Well, wow. It's interesting to me to have our lemons be our relationships. You know, you don't hear that as often, but at the same time, it's true. Like it happens to more people than we know, where the thing they're dealing with that's most traumatic and toxic and hardest for them is their everyday life of who they are with. And that's got to be a really hard thing to deal with. So I appreciate you guys being so open and talking about this part and how hard it's been for you. So thank you for sharing that. So now you got to tell me what's the lemonade part. Well, I I wanted to just kind of add a little bit on to what you said there. And and I think that not only, you know, were our relationships the lemons, but I think how we viewed ourselves, 
Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and that we we saw ourselves as lemons. Yeah, no and value. it was only yeah. right. And it was only until we started to understand what our value was and how, you know, what we bring to this world. And were we able to see that in each other? Right. And I think that that has been really the 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 testament of the work that we do is is the work that we do within our own relationship and our own marriage, you know, helping each other grow and become better people. Right? And that's why our passion is in, in working with couples and helping them do the same in their relationship as well, because we see that we see that value and we see that potential. When we're working with someone who is getting out of a relationship because the relationship has become toxic, whether they're getting divorced or whether they were dating, we always talk about the one year plan, like take a year and get to know who you are. You get to be the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, and then you'll bring that into your life. And that, that was part of our journey was like, I spent a lot of time, you know, I had, uh, you know, my beer drinking buddies, but I had, uh, like my dad and my sister, we'd have these really in-depth conversations. I had that, uh, I had my son and our cat for affection, you know, it's like my needs were getting met in lots of places instead of with one person, but I knew what I liked. I knew how to take care of myself. And I acted on that. You know, if I wanted to stay up all night doing a jigsaw puzzle, I would do that or whatever it was and really learning to value myself. I was really good. I got so good at being single. I think I needed some more lessons, which is why you came into my life at that point. And at that point, we were both better and and together we were really amazing. And it was really like, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. If if we were to talk about the lemonade, you know, and what is what we found is that our relationship and just the relationship between, you know, committed partners is the most challenging, most rewarding thing you could ever do in your entire life. And the most painful. Well, yes, challenging (laughs) is the word, but yeah, 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 say it lightly. It's, it's painful, right? But it's the best, worst thing you do, right? Yeah, it's the worst, best thing you do either way. Yes. Relationships are work. Absolutely. And, you know, we know that every relationship ends. You know, even if couples stay together for the rest of their lives, at some point, someone is leaving. The goal really is to grow and to learn. And your greatest teacher is your partner. And that, that is really what we started to learn about being in this relationship together. And that is that we have created that lemonade, you know, and coming together and learning about ourselves individually, learning what our value is, and then learning what value is when we come together. So when you're in a relationship for 20 plus years, it really takes that long. What we've found in working with all these couples and and being in this relationship is what we call a merger, right? And so in the beginning, it's very physical. You know, you you have this attraction, you are wanting to be together all the time. Uh, You can live on sunshine and rainbows because you don't want to eat, you don't want to sleep, you don't care. And that goes away. And, and, and then it turns into what we call the mental merger. And this is the next, you know, 20 years where it's like, you're setting up a house and you're setting up a family and you're looking, 
can I trust my person? If, if I go to work, are they going to work? Are they paying the bills? Are they taking care of the kids? Can I, you know, it's over and over and over again, this idea of, are you there? Can I trust you? Can I trust you? And you, you sort of like begin to zip up a little bit, like you're, you're merging. And then when you get to this 20 plus year mark, it's emotional. And that's when you're dealing with all the past hurts, pains of your life that sort of just start to come up because you can't get that close to another person without going through that healing process of it's almost like emotionally vomiting for a while of this and that. And I think menopause is a part of stirring that pot up and bringing this stuff up for healing. We call that period, the, the forging and purification period, because everything in between you has to come up and out for you to finally really merge. And that's at a spiritual level. And it's, it's the most amazing thing and difficult thing to do. And, you know, there, there is some scientific research on this, which is kind of cool. They did a study on our brains to see, is there, are we biologically designed to be together, you know, to, to couple. And what they found is when a couple's dating, their brain chemistry is like, woohoo, you know, and, and they think that's like, a little, a little taste of what you could have. And then there's a four-year mark where there's a change that happens. And their thinking was, you know, if they had a baby and this baby's four years old, its chances of survival are much greater if the couple can stay together for four years. There's another shift at 10 years. And their thinking is, you know, at 10 years, this person could actually become an adult and reproduce. Their, their chances of doing that is even better. But then there is a really big shift at 25 years. And at 25 years, their brains looked even better than when they were dating. At 20 years together, you're like almost to the point where you're together longer than you were a single person. You know, say you get married at 20, right? And so you've been alone for 20 years and now you've been with someone for 20 years. So I can see how there's going to be some things from the past that come up that you're now realizing, wow, I've been in a relationship as long as I was alive before that. It's kind of a weird aha moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, typically it coincides with, you know, the children leaving the nest. And exactly. Now the couple is kind of reestablishing that connection again and kind of relearning who each other are. Yep. And hopefully you still like each other at that point. <laughs> you know, that's what we see a lot is that if you're not investing in your relationship along the way, and you get to that period, it's very depleted. And many of the couples that we work with, they love each other, but their relationship is starving. And even them as individual people is pretty starving. They've been so investing in, in finances and children and, and the logistics of life. And they put their relationship on the back burner. And it's a really big mistake. And, and people are really giving way too much to their kids, which isn't good for their kids and not enough to their partner. And it, there's a great sadness. And it's really sad to see a couple that ends because they just don't know how to meet each other's needs anymore. And someone goes and finds it somewhere else. And they just have so much regret the rest of their lives. It's such an important thing that we can take for granted. And it's not something that's taught anywhere. You know, we've never met a couple that wasn't in love with each other on their wedding day. It's just along the way, they stop investing in the relationship, you know, for good reasons. They're putting more time and energy into their career or, you know, their estate or their kids. 
or their families, their extended families, but they stop putting energy into each other because they, they think that that relationship is going to survive. It'll be there. Right. But if you're not growing, you're dying. And that goes for a relationship as well. So true. And it's so interesting that you say this because I can totally relate to this as I was had my two older children and I was seeing them leave, you know, they were going off to college or to get married and I still had one left at home. And that's when I kind of had that aha moment like you're talking about where you turn and look at your spouse and be like, do I even want to be with you after there's no more kids here to raise together? Like you kind of have to look at them and who are you? <laughs> You've been here all along, but I don't really know you as much anymore because we've been in that, like you said, just that day-to-day -day providing, raising the kids, going to work, doing the usual stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, it's going to be just us here pretty soon. Do we even like each other? We love each other, but do we like each other? And it's a great, it was a great moment for me. I actually was like, wow, what do I want to have happen in a couple of years? And now we've been empty nesters for a couple of years and it's is the best time. It is so great because you have the bonus of the adult married kids and grandkids and you still have each other and you have this friendship with each other now that you've been able to develop. And so I think if you can get through that part, there's great things on the other side, but I can see how easy it is to give up when the kids are gone. Might as well go try something else. I can totally see why that is what people think. They're bored. You know, we used to have more community and in that community, uh, those things kind of kept people together, right? Because it was a whole lifestyle. And now most couples are really isolated. And so maybe there's a point to that. Maybe we're really trying to connect and merge in a way that we don't have to consider the whole world also. Um, but then it's easier to step away if, and you don't have much. If you step away, you, you also are losing, you know, your community or your lifestyle. And it's, it is a really difficult thing to push beyond. So peer bonded couples actually regulate each other's biorhythms. And when you've been together a long time, your mirror neurons in your brain almost create the same brain where you can feel if your partner's in pain or and so anything you do, you know how that's going to affect them. And so this idea of just walking away and how much you would, you know, be ripping something out of their heart, it's harder to do, you know, and, but it really takes that investment and when it's not there, it's easy to walk away. Right. Mm -hmm. So you help people all of the time. This is your job now. So what is some lemonade you pass around to people or do you have any tips or advice or things that you say? Yeah, one of the things that we really find to be extremely important is to do new things that are thrilling and exciting because then you're like infusing, you know, it's the same way people bond, like if they're in war together, it's just this big emotional event that you went through with this other person. And so there's a forging, right? And so when you go out and you take a dance class or go on roller coasters or whatever it is that, you know, is, is fun and exciting and new that really helps with that awkwardness of we haven't really hung out together in a while. People are just not spending enough time together. It's one of the reasons we created the weekend intensive because the world has to go away 
for these four days and you're just with your partner and you're having fun and you're learning new things and you're having the conversations you didn't even know you needed to have. In a new environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is based on a study of happiness and they found that people who are happy take risks. You know, they do new things, things that they don't, they're not familiar with. And so when couples go and experience a new restaurant or they experience a new activity, you know, it is taking a risk on whether it's going to be enjoyable or not, but it's that risk that actually bonds them together. And too often couples, they go to the same place, they do the same things, they get into a routine. And that routine may be something that's enjoyable for them, but it becomes monotonous, right? And it doesn't infuse this new energy into the relationship that feeds passion and, and excitement. Oh. I love that you're saying this because I'm like, I remember the times when we had the kids at home and it was, oh, we're dating, we're going out every Friday night, but it would be to the same restaurant and then rent a movie after. Mm -hmm. And so we're not, we're having the same conversations at dinner about the kids and the week. And then we're going home and we're sitting quiet watching a movie. So that wasn't bringing us together as friends. We weren't experiencing, like you said, that that excitement. But then when our kids are gone, we decided to move. So that's our exciting thing. We didn't know we were doing that. Um, and that really bonded us, like you're saying, that that kind of exciting, stressful, scary new thing that we didn't realize we were doing that on purpose, but it really was a great thing for us and to move during a pandemic when everything was shut down. So we only had each other and we had to figure it out. We had to set up the new house and try to find ways to buy things when stores were closed. And it really strengthened us. It was actually really fun to do this together. And like you said, kind of have that same brain wavelength and discuss things we wanted to do for the new house and be united. And then we realized we moved next to bike trails and a lake. And so we go biking every day and that's much better than our dinner and movie that we were doing before. So I really, relate so much with what you're saying. And I don't usually share a lot of personal things on my podcast, but I'm just connecting so much and want to help listeners understand that they can do it and they can make the changes and it's worth it. And I have lived through this so I can share my experience and say, yes, what you guys are teaching and saying, I believe it. And it's true. And I appreciate that. So, sorry to interrupt you, but no, I that's to be like, no, this awesome. is so good. <laughs> and, you know, it is, it really is skills and a formula that we can learn that we didn't see. And, you know, the, the, after you start to infuse some of those deposits into your relationship bank account, you know, the next stage is to allow yourself to expose yourself, to be vulnerable, especially at an emotional level where you are sharing really what's deep in your heart with someone else. And, you know, it, the relationship needs to feel safe and it needs to feel like your person actually is paying attention. So those bike rides and those things, you know, what you were talking about before is the screen time where we're not, we're not face to face, we're side by side. And so the face to face stuff is, it's how we bond. You know, when you hold your baby, you look in their eyes, you know, and that's why, you know, we always encourage people to take dance lessons. You're looking in each other's eyes or even a photo shoot is really fun because they'll make you, you know, you're, you're smiling at each other and looking at each other for like an hour and a half or like, oh, and it's really bonding. But, you know, when you think about 
these, what we call these stages of emotional vulnerability, like on the outside, you're like winter coat, hat and gloves, but who gets to see you naked? Where are you really vulnerable and exposing yourself in that private sanctum? We call it the sanctum. And a lot of people don't have a sacred space for their relationship. And, you know, now that the kids are gone, you have that space, but you also have to take that step and say, speak your truth and let someone know you and, and have a witness to your life because anything you're willing to share is the best parts of you. And anything you're wanting to hide is probably things that you don't, shouldn't be doing or don't, isn't good for you or the relationship. Well, I was just going to say that inner sanctum is really reserved for your partner and no one else. And too often couples bring other people into that place, right? They share more with their, their mother or their father or their, their siblings, or they share more with their friends than they do with their partner. And, you know, that drives a wedge between the couple, you know, and they don't feel then that safe environment to be able to share with each other their deepest, most vulnerable emotions, right? Our fears, our faults, our failures, our, you know, the areas of ourselves that we are afraid to share with people. And many times people have no idea because the problem, you know, all couples come in and say, we have a communication problem. And it's not because they don't know vocabulary, right? It's because they don't know themselves. And so there's been a disconnect between their own head and heart where they have done what they should do. And that's part of, you know, what's known as the domestication time of life. You're raised like, this is how you should be as a, as a mother, as a father, as a wife, as a husband, but you don't know your own heart. You don't know what makes you happy. You don't know uh, if, and, and especially this is an important part of the work is when we get hurt as children, we think it's our fault. We think, well, if I had this experience and I got this result, it's because I should change something because we're in that learning mode. But what if it's not you? What if it was your parents that were wounded and inappropriate or your partners or your or other relationships? And you have to get to a place where you can validate, I'm, I'm angry about this. I'm, I'm resentful. And then you can look at that and go, okay, so this happened to me. And so how do I use that as fertilizer? How do I grow and become through that? Because we can break each other, but we can only heal ourselves. You know, I can run someone over and break their leg, but I can't put the cast on me and fix them, right? They have to, we all have to take responsibility for what's happened to us. And when we don't know what to do, we disconnect, we shut our heart down, and then we always defer to our head because our head is what we know. And we like what we know, even if it's not good for us, we don't like the unknown. And so it is scary business to step into the unknown, especially with another person and to let yourself be known. So, you know, there's that saying that says, uh, an unexamined life is not a life worth living. And we would say an unexamined relationship isn't worth the pain of going through it. I think there's a real problem with pointing at our partner or another, you know, the person that we're with as everything is their fault instead of owning our own. And so I really think that's a real problem when there's problems in our marriage and we blame the other person so much. 
And so you see that, right? In what you're doing, you see that all the time. People want to blame their spouse for how their relationship is going without looking inside. It's a lot easier to blame outside of yourself than to take yeah. responsibility for your part and your contribution. We always work from the premise that each person contributes 50% or equally to the condition of the relationship. And so you can't work on your partner. You can only work on your half. You know, we started hiking about five years ago. I had a goal when I turned 50 to hike a thousand miles. One thing that we noticed is when something goes wrong, you instantly blame your partner. That's like an automatic. And you see this in children, right? They'll, they'll fall down and be like, mom, why'd you do that? Like I'm over here. I didn't do anything. It's like this automatic thing that we're like, we just want to get back to that stable place and in our person. And so that initial reaction of blaming your partner, you can't even help it. It's so funny. And then you have to calm down a little bit and then you can start thinking that through. And that's what we teach people is how do you have those conversations and not stop at if they would just not do this, I wouldn't be hurt because that's never true. And you, you see people all the time where they blame their partner, they leave their partner and they find another one that does the exact same thing. Exactly. Because it's not out there. It's inside. Exactly. And that's why I love your advice with taking that year to get to know yourself because you will, you'll just keep getting into the same thing because you're still you and you're still doing the same things you were doing and attracting the same people you had before. So until you take that year of just learning to like yourself and learning who you are and what you want in life, you're going to still keep in that cycle. So I'm so grateful that you teach that. It's really good advice. You know, it's the reason why we created our, our company called Couple Synergy. You know, synergy being that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And that is what couples have the potential of creating. You know, not just that solid relationship within themselves, but when they come together, creating something much greater. Yeah, so we can't sit in front of every couple in the world and teach this. So we've created different levels of ways people can do that. And one of the easiest things is that we have a home study course and it's eight modules and they're set up like eight date nights. And we teach, here's how your brain works. Here's how you automatically respond. Here's how you calm yourself down. Here's how you come together. Here's the, over, the overview. It's those skills that we want people to get. And if people are pretty healthy, that's going to really help. You know, this is, mm -hmm. this is really important because our relationship is the most important one that we will have in our lives. Yeah, totally. And I love learning from you. You didn't have an ideal situation. You weren't just like, oh, we figured this all out. and We've been married 30 years and we know how to do it. You're like, no, we've lived all the ways and we know the bad ways and the lemon ways or whatever. Like, that's what I love that you guys are teaching what you've learned because you've been through it. You know how it feels to be where your clients are at right now. Yeah, we come here to teach what we come here to learn. Yeah, that's true too, right? Yeah. Yeah, you learn from everyone as well. So that's what I yeah. love about it is you're not sitting here saying that it's this easy thing. You're really, you've been there, done that, and you're sharing what you've learned. Like I said, that fertilizer, what's fertilizer made of? It is the adversity in our life and the pain of our life that it pushes us to grow. That pressure, it isn't all the lovely days. There's no book that we ever read that says, I woke up today, it was a lovely day, and then I went to bed. Yeah, That's not a story, right? <laughs> 
we don't ever say that we're a perfect couple. You know, we say that we, you know, we can't teach it if we don't live it. Yeah. And so we're very open about the challenges that we've faced as a couple, you know, in addition to helping thousands of couples with their relationships as well. You know, and, but what we found is that when we, when we were in those toxic relationships, the worst part of it was the lying, the, the not saying what was on your mind or saying something that was absolutely untrue. That's very painful being allowing yourself to say those things out loud. What's what's inside of you. And they're not lovely things. <laughs> they're insecurities, they're pain points, they're, they're things. In, and when those are trapped inside of you, it's very painful. And it, it's, that's where you're toxic is inside. And our mind is a terrible place to be alone in. And so when we're honest, really honest, that is when we are examining who we are and getting rid of those false beliefs and, and hurts. Yeah. It's inevitable that every couple is going to face their past challenges and past hurts everything that they have brought to the relationship. And most couples don't know how to do that. And so they just avoid it. You know, they, they don't look at it, but that pain has to come up and out in order for a couple to create something that is free of, of all that. And, you know, it's never too late. We have no relationship to time in that part of us. And, and it, all of that stuff that's ever happened to us, what we share, we can heal. I like that. And we should share it with each other. I think it's easy. I hear people all the time like, oh, I'd never tell my husband that, you know, so they want to tell their best friend or their coworker or that really cute guy that they're getting to know and feel comfortable with, you know, where there's no risk. You can share it with them and there's no connection there. You could just tell them your deepest thoughts, but you'd never tell your husband. So it's right. a real problem. And that that's true even in therapy. So Brene Brown says, you know, if you go to therapy and you start to work on this, a therapist can shine like a 40 watt light bulb on it, but your partner can, sh can shine a football stadium. Yeah. Right. And that's, that is who you can really heal with. It isn't just saying it to any random person. It's saying it to someone that if they use that information against you, you're going to really hurt. Yes. You know, in our wedding song, it says, there's no such thing as a failure who keeps trying. And that's what we would just encourage people to do is really try to figure it out. We have just, we were working with a couple the past seven months and, you know, they were really not in a good way, very disconnected when they first started working with us. And they had completely turned their relationship around 180 degrees and started to really feel that connection again. And he just passed away about three weeks now, three weeks ago. And he passed suddenly, they both got COVID and he just didn't wake up. And, you know, it, it really highlights why this work is so important because she doesn't have any regrets now. And she's able to say that, you know, they, they finished their business together. Yeah. And they were connected again at the end. When when they came in, he didn't know if she loved him. And he died knowing she loved him. Wow. 
it's worth it. We need to take the time and invest in our relationships. Like you said, it's all we've got. It's the only thing we can take with us when we go are those memories and those relationships. So we need to take the time and hopefully people can find you. And if it's not you, it's someone else to find, to encourage them to be able to work through things, to be able to become friends again, to be able to love each other and spend more quality time together. So you guys have been so powerful and enlightening and have such a great gift that you are giving to everyone. And I just really appreciate that. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's really great to meet new people. And, you know, such an interesting time we're in because we're on the other side of the country and here we are. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that inspiring interview. Yeah, people can reach us at couplesynergy.com. Okay. We do have our podcast is the same, Couple Synergy, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. So perfect. I highly recommend people do that. That would be great to be able to work on their relationship. So thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, one of our podcast episodes was just about our relationship, and we had our, our children actually interview us about our relationship and my mom and some friends yeah, we had true. multiple people that's true yes yeah. yes and so you know we are very candid you know about who we are would you and your husband want to be guests on our podcast talk oh, about wow. your relationship oh my goodness what kind of things would you do or talk about we start with how did you meet and it just and it goes really, from there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny because everyone's like, well, what if I don't want to talk about something? Well, then don't say it. Don't say <laughs> it. I know. Like, we're not going to be like. <laughs> it ends up being like this treasure, oh. your love story that your oh. grandchildren will hear and possibly your great grandchildren. And uh, recently, um, our older son's grandfather passed away and we had interviewed them. And, you know, he was 80 something and, and she's in her 80s and their family sat and listened to their story because we interviewed them. And it's such a beautiful thing to have. Yeah, that's a great you know? idea. I love that. Our kids have heard the story a thousand times, but I think <laughs> it would be really fun to share that. That sounds really good. Yeah, we it's a really a fun thing story. to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not a weird story. I I don't know. You know, everybody's story is different and unique for them. But yeah, ours is pretty simple. So yeah, that would be We'll awesome. ask him and then yeah. we'll set up a time to chat. It's a really great opportunity. So that'd be fun. Yeah, we look forward to hearing your story. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. We like telling it.